congratulations on such a, a, a unique, heartfelt, and brilliant script. Um, you guys did, did a great job. Um, what is a writing like for something like that? Uh, it's, it's like editing. <laughs> it's like editing ahead of time. You know, it's like if something doesn't work even for a second, you know, there's no like, well, we could cut around that or hide that. So that's what uh, you know, Gavin, I feel like Gavin has said that a number of different times. It's like you know, when you're doing a single take, you, the editing's in the writing. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, part of this movie, like the writing is rolled into the pre-production uh, because we were looking at locations and figuring out, because, you know, when you're not editing, you need to know, for example, you know, it's not no spoilers, but when, you know, at one point the character of Scott walks from a bar to his apartment. Well, we have to find physical locations because we're, we're never cutting in a single take. We need to know that how long that walk takes. Does that walk take three minutes? Does that walk take 25 minutes? Like whatever it is, since we're doing the split screen thing, we need to be able to know what to write on Beth's side of the screen and how to, how to best balance that. And, and even just if, you know, in any movie, if the character of Beth is moving from classroom back to the main room where mm -hmm. she picks up the phone and any other movie you go cut and she's, she's over there instantly uh, with a slight time jump, but in real time, we need to know, okay, that's going to take her 35 seconds to walk over and just figuring out how to pace all of that at the same time a little bit like a stage play, you know, in a sense. As, as you're I, I would imagine it's yeah. a lot like choreography, a lot like dance. Yeah. So the yeah. script, the script was constantly evolving, not in the sense of the story we wanted to tell or the, the you know, the beats of that story, just how to, um, you know, do the choreography and the blocking and, and make it work that either didn't become a three hour movie or mm -hmm. end up being a 35 minute movie. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the approach to doing it as, as you know, a one-shot type feature because, you know, not everybody, you know, raises their hand up and wants to do something like that simply because of how difficult it is. So why did you decide to do that? Uh, David, uh, Gavin, Gavin's the one to raise his hand and say, I want to do that because that was, <laughs> I pitched him the idea of, hey, uh, what do you think of this? Because, you know, Gavin does a lot of uh, like long takes and single take music videos and had already done a 20 minute single take short film that was pretty, pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so yeah, go ahead, Gavin. Tell him, oh, tell I was him about how gray the, uh, you know, both David and I felt we didn't have enough gray hair. So this should probably uh, set, set the course for the rest <laughs> of time. You know, it's uh it's, it's the challenge to do it. Not, not to, you know, you can use this technique as a gimmick. There's lots of gimmicky music videos, including some of the ones that I've made. And they're, and they're just fun and kitschy to watch. Um, the reason with this story we thought it would be interesting is like from the character best perspective, by never cutting, having the single take, you as an audience member get to be in her shoes. You get to sort of hang on every moment and every word that she says, almost as if it was you on that phone call in a sense. And uh, that, that became really really uh the core of what we wanted to accomplish with it in terms of actually pulling it off it all comes down to a lot of tech rehearsal uh you know with the sound crew the lighting crew because you, you you know you have to hide every single light cord you know the camera is always moving 360 degrees in every location so it's not like the normal set where you have what they call the fourth wall where every, everything's built and then you hide all the gear and the cables and and the technicians behind it we had to be seamless uh, so it's just, you know, we, the, the biggest thing that worked for us was we filmed every single rehearsal and were able to assemble like a rough version of the movie 
uh, every day that we wrapped rehearsal so that as a team we could watch it and make changes, make the notes for both the performance, like the actors, the script, and, and all the technical would work as a team every night to just keep adjusting. And you can, you can sort of literally go through the history of our, our rehearsal takes and just see the movie slowly improving up until the, the take that we, we got the movie. Yeah, it's an incredible process. David, your character, I mean, you obviously, you know, this is kind of, you know, a different kind of acting job because you're, you're acting in 360 degrees, not just, you know, to a camera, but you have to be fluid in what you do. How did that affect you? Um, you know, I think for with as much time as we spent, you know, doing those tech rehearsals, I mean, we were, so we were on location there for 10 days leading up to our four days of shooting. But prior to that, um, Sarah and I would rehearse uh, just over the phone because she was in Canada and I was still in Los Angeles um, in the, the month or two leading up to um, when we would all meet together in Windsor, Ontario, where we filmed the movie. And so I think like the, we spent most of the work really, or for me anyway, just really understanding this character. And I had the advantage of having written the script. So I, you know, I had been in this particular man's mind for a year and a half before we started our rehearsal, just as, you know, as we sort of kind of shaped the narrative uh, learned a lot about um, what these crisis prevention hotline workers deal with, what resources are available to them. Um, and they, I mean, they're, they're extremely well-trained. They have a lot more access even than, um, than the police might uh, as far as their ability to um, legally trace calls and find out where people are living and all those things. And um, that's, that's actually, that, that's what influenced our, our decision to, to look at it from the, the perspective of a stranger. So somebody, somebody that hasn't gone through all that training, who doesn't know all these things, who isn't conditioned in a certain way um, to be on the phone with somebody who's you know, looking to not see tomorrow. And so we felt like as far as, as far as the story, it, it gave Beth's character um, a lot more universal um, yeah. I don't want to say appeal necessarily, but like it, it made it easier for anybody to kind of step into her shoes and think, you know, what would I do in that situation? As a movie lover, because uh, I have to be that first, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this could have gone, you know, this could have been a high-end comedy as well, but you treated it, you know, so humanly and so, so wonderfully that, this is this is a slice of life movie this is a really heartfelt film you know you. we that, that's sort Thank of you. you know my style and obviously david and i share share a brain in many senses that's why we're able to work together um a lot of my work that i think connects the most with audiences is when it has the like the integrity and the honesty and trying to make things feel realistic. That's what I really appreciate in cinema. The films that I love are the one, like my favorite TV show in uh, recent history is Normal People. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's just the most like gripping, gut-wrenching, real take on, on like a dating relationship that's, that's, that's flawed. And, 
And that sound that could easily be a kitschy kind of rom-com, but they go the opposite direction where they're like, no, we're going to just stick that dagger back in everyone's chest that they all remember mm. what all of these, these hardest moments of a relationship feel like. I'm still um, recovering from that last episode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <ago. laughs> and then, you know, David, David and Sarah both have uh, theater in their background and I've seen, so, you know, like full disclosure, Sarah Booth is my wife. If you, if you haven't made that connection yet. What? But, uh, yeah, what? exactly. <laughs> Uh, and not because we got married, because we met on last call that had happened previously. I had a, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to see her in a play called Blackbird, which I don't know if you've ever read or seen perform, but it's, uh, it's not unlike last call in the sense that it's very hard, like hard subject matter. The play has no scene breaks, no act breaks. Uh, you know, just that's it. You're watching no intermission. You're just watching it in with two actors in one, one go. So having seen her, pull that off i was like okay we have we definitely have the right team here to make this work this movie all all movies live and die on there's if the script's great and the actors are great you will almost forgive everything else in the process i believe if the if the camera's off a little bit if the score's off a little bit if you have those two elements you've got a solid movie and then if you get those two and a few of the other things happen to work out then it then it works extremely well and i well, just there's think something very very stage theatrical about this movie as well. I mean, I could see it very easily translated to a stage play. You know, it's got an Edward Albee yeah. feel to it as well. But, you know, mm. again, this is this is a, a, a wonderful film that I don't think people should miss. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that do, you know, go on IMDb and read the descriptions and all of that, but this is not used as a gimmick you've really incorporated the one shot feel like, like I would think Orson Welles would or Soderbergh, as I said, you know, before we started this, you've made it, you know, kind of, that's the, the prism we're looking through at these two people. And what a wonderful, wonderful job this is. Thank you. Oh, thank I, you very uh, much. All of those films, you know, my, my high school, Film teacher Keith Herrick showed showed me Rope, you know Hitchcock's Rope, which and obviously there are hidden cuts in there because the a roll of film could only go ten or eleven minutes and they they had to cut they were forced to, but as you know technology developed I remember seeing Time Code and Russian yeah. Ark and thinking like these are just master classes and what to do but I you know I love those movies I don't think the story was as strong you know particularly Russian Ark it's more of just like a a, a weird art concept but i mean they had 2000 actors and three live orchestras and it's just like it's an accomplishment like no other in cinema history they also only rolled one take they got it on the first take which is which is a miracle um you know and victoria more recently or, or even things like birdman in 1917 that yes they're stitching shots together but when you see the movie you realize why because to accomplish that story there wasn't a possible way of actually doing it in a single take. I just, I just, I love the real time filmmaking aspect and, and I'm so happy that, you know, David brought this story up and we were, we were able to do it. And, and, you know, we, we often said on set, we, we did this on a very, very low budget. We only actually had four nights to film and, and potentially get this film right and in the can. We also said this might just be the greatest documentary ever made about a, about a film that <laughs> didn't get made. There was a real possibility, you know, because it wasn't like if, if we went past those four days, there was no, everybody was booked. Our cinematographer was off on another job. We don't have studio money to bring everyone back a week later and try to reshoot it. It was just going to work or not work. Yeah, it's got to be difficult these days. I mean, you're doing, you're doing an entire film, you know, on the catering budget of a TV show. Basically, on, on, the, on the daily yeah, on, to weekly catering budget of yeah. a TV show. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about maybe their craft <laughs> services budget. Yeah, the crafty uh, <laughs> uh, table. 
Yeah. Um, you know, as, as, as we wind up our interview, I mean, uh, are you guys collaborating on other things? I mean, this is a great team. We definitely Thank are. You. David and I yeah. are. We're not going to work together writing. ever again. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. What? I mean, listen, <laughs> the good news is that with, with David about to relocate to another city, we've all gotten used to this Zoom collaboration thing. So, <laughs> um, which, which is, you know, isn't much different. Often David and I will write over the phone or Zoom anyways, you know, he's, he's family lives and things keep, keep us busy. Uh, but yeah, we definitely were actively writing something right now and we've got another 40 concepts together in the, in the canon. So I'm, I'm sure you will see another production from us in the near future. Uh, what do you think audiences are going to pull out of the film, David? Well, you know, it's we, having had the advantage of being on the festival circuit for the last year or so, you know, we've, we've really gotten a chance to hear what a lot of audiences are saying and, my my hope with this, because it started with story, you know, the, the use of a single take and doing split screen um, was more to service the story we were trying to tell than it was, you know, the impetus of trying to make the movie. And so my, you know, my hope is that the audience sees it as an icebreaker for conversations that a lot of people feel are too hard to have, and that we can start chipping away at the stigma of mental health and, uh, you know, allow people to comfortably and safely address um, a, a conversation that is, you know, heretofore uh, been sort of taboo. Um, and I, I feel like the more com comfortable people are talking about something, uh, the less afraid they are of it, and also the less alone that they feel when they realize they're not the only ones. And um, also that, you know, that people will be encouraged to be kind and to listen. And as if, uh, you know, if Beth's character uh, wasn't, then it would be a, a shorter and much sadder movie. Yeah. And, and again, Sarah did such a great job in this film uh, as well. I mean, it was the perfect counterpoint uh, to your character. And, and that's what you need in a movie. It has like you said, Gavin, it has to have all of those things, but story first, and it's a riveting story. So thank you for making this film. Uh, we can we can see it on all video on demand platforms. It is out. Uh, so right now it's in in physical theaters in Canada. Uh, it started last week. It starts this Friday in America in select cities uh, in in physical theaters, but the the majority of it is through the uh, Lemley Theater Group, mm -hmm. uh, the virtual cinema program. You know, COVID has sort of shuttered so many movie theaters, uh, but the virtual cinema so it works just like on demand for people that aren't familiar. They can go to the Lemley Theater site, visit any of our social media this week for the film, and we'll be we'll have the link available. And then uh, towards the end of October is the uh, intended launch on all VOD platforms where wherever you normally rent movies, we we should be there. Terrific. Guys, thank you so much for your time. And, and again, um, it, it's an amazing film. It, it just deserves to be seen. Thank you. Thank we, you uh, and we, thanks for, thanks for yeah, the time, too. Take, yeah. Taking the time, because our film lives and dies without the folks like you out there willing to give indie film a spotlight. I, I, well, I love indie films. I, again, I think that uh, the larger films have their place. But, you know, again, we lose so many indie films you know, in the runs and the, and, the, and the kind of the greedy runs that large uh, uh, openings have because they kick other films out of the theaters, Yeah, you know, for, for those times. And I think, you know, as bad as this pandemic has been, uh, it's been good for indie uh, filmmakers mm -hmm. because 
we're seeing a lot of stuff on the different platforms that nobody would have seen. We definitely, yeah. we definitely have had some press opportunities that wouldn't have existed sort of pre COVID. So yeah. there's a, there's a silver lining to, to everything in life. You know, I think the, the real, the real issue is we've gone from 400 films a year made worldwide to something like 16,000 films every year. So it's just, you know, it more and more, there's less, it's less and less about, finding a mainstream audience than it is making a film and targeting a niche audience. Even, even Netflix for all their shows, you know, they're not designed for everybody who has a Netflix subscription. They're just finding pockets of people that will like this subject matter or this subject matter. And that's, that's the real, the real shift in independent film is learning how to market, how to understand the product you're making as well as just making a great film is, is learning how to get it out there and and find an Mm -hmm. audience. It is. It is the second half of that word. Show business. Yes. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're just getting wise to that. That well, we got to be a marketer too. So, I. You know. Yes. I will. I will stand on street corners with a sandwich board sign on, like my friend Dan Mervish did to promote his film. Like any anything that it takes, I will. <laughs> I will. I will Barnum and Bailey the the heck out of making sure people come to our circus. You know? That was a plot point, by the way, in Die Hard uh, Three. I think the sandwich. Yes. Board. Yeah. I yeah. will not be wearing that <laughs> no. sandwich board. Yes. Yeah. This celebrity interview is sponsored by I'm Annette Severella with Pia Anderson Moss Hoyt, Utah's leading entertainment law firm serving clients nationwide. We provide solid, attentive representation focusing on minimizing risk, reducing cost, and protecting the reputation and privacy of our clients. Our goal is to provide you with the legal representation you need to make the right decisions and to protect you and your creative works. Call or email me for a free consultation.